vandagse preek gaan oor unity, today's message is about unity, and there's this saying that goes, united we stand, divided we, divided we fall, and it feels like, that feels like a South African slogan, um, but the one thing about unity that our country has learned since 1994, uh, maybe before that, but one of the things that we are learning, or I don't think we have learned it fully, but we are learning, is that you you cannot force unity. You cannot say, okay, now we are all not racist. Like, we, we can't put a banner over us and say, okay, South Africa is now a free country with no racism. We can do that, but that doesn't mean it's the end of, of racism or because because when we speak about unity, it is very important that we understand and that we realize unity is about hearts and relationships. In other words, you cannot legislate unity. You you I can't I can't you can't put unity on a group of people and say now you are a united people. Just because we are all sitting this morning under the banner, and as Yebusukaris done, it's fine. But for those, just because we are under the same banner, doesn't mean we are a united people. Or just because we go to the same this or do the same that, or unity is not under a banner, under a name. Unity is about what goes on in the hearts of people, and it's about relationships between people. So I want to say unity is 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 a heart level issue. Um, Psalm one hundred thirty three, verse one to three. It's going to be on the board. Um, Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Jan Loebscher. No, running down on the beard of Aaron. But Jan Loebscher had a good example of a Running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord, listen to this, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. I believe that unity is one of the first fruits of a church that is under the headship of Jesus Christ. So if I walk into a church this morning, or you walk into a church, one of the first fruits I believe that, that is visible if Jesus is the head of that church, if Jesus is the Lord of, of that church, and if He is the one building that specific church, the first fruit that you would see is unity. And it says that unity brings the commanded blessing of the Lord. Who wants the commanded blessing of the Lord on their lives? I wanted to. But the thing is, I cannot get the commanded blessing of the Lord by myself. 
I can position my life in holiness. I can be, I can live a holy life on my own. I don't, I don't, like, I don't need other people in my life to be holy in that, in a, in a sense. I can devote myself to the Lord, to scripture. I can go sit in a, in a very dark room with maybe a light bulb. Maybe I can, maybe Philip can let me down into this, into this wine barrels underneath this, this side of the, and I can take a light with me and I can sit there and I can fast for a week. I can pray and, and I can be really holy for a week. But what I will not get in there by myself is the commanded blessing of the Lord. Because when I'm down there praying and being holy all by myself, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing, I'm all alone. And God says that all alone does not get the commanded blessing. What gets the commanded blessing is when brothers dwell in unity. It's interesting in John 17, uh, it fascinates me because it doesn't happen that much. Or it happens a lot, but it, it's, we are not always told what Jesus is praying about. Okay, so in the scriptures in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, it's often said, Jesus went to the mountain and he prayed. Jesus went and he prayed. Jesus went and he prayed. He went, he woke up early and he prayed. He went by himself all night and he prayed. And there's only a few instances where we are actually told what Jesus is praying for or about. At the end of his life in the garden, he was praying to God and saying, God, this is too difficult for me. I don't want this cup. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So we know there he was praying for his own life and his own obedience. The other time where I know that Jesus is praying for something specific, he was praying um, he, the night before he chose his disciples. Interesting. The night before he was cho choosing his disciples, it says he went all night and prayed before choosing his disciples. Quite interesting. I would think Jesus has direct access to God the Father. So I don't believe he was praying for the 12 names. He knew that who the 12 was going to be, but he was praying for 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 the calling that was on their lives, I believe. But there's one other place where, where Jesus prays, and that is in John 17. And he prays for a couple of things in Johanna 17. But the one thing he prays, I'm going to read it is in verse 20 and 21. It says, I do not ask for these only. His disciples, he was speaking uh, reference to them. But also for those who will believe in me, through their word. If you're a Christian today, verse 20, that's us. You know that. Because it's not, I do not ask for these only, these only is the disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. If you believe in Jesus today, you believe in Jesus because 12 disciples went and proclaimed the gospel many thousands of years ago. And 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 a chain, a chain reaction has happened, and it's led all the way to you. Amen. Praise God that someone told someone that told someone that told someone that told someone that told you, Quibus, Christopher, Jan, every one of us. 
and just a pop-up thought that came comes to my mind. Let's not stop that chain. Let's continue to to see the gospel go. But so, in other words, but I also for those who will believe. So what he's praying for us and many others. That's not in this specific hall today, but many other believers. But what is he praying for? That they may all be one. Say with me, one. That they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So why does Jesus pray for the church to be one? Why does Jesus pray for the church to be united? The first reason is is in the last sentence of verse 21, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I, to be honest, I'm not exactly sure how those two are linked, but according to the Scripture, according to Jesus, there is a link between the world recognizing that Jesus is the Son of God and the unity of believers in the church. When the church walks in unity, the world sees Jesus is the Son of God. When the church does not walk in unity, the world does not see who Jesus really is. But I want to, so that's reason number one, so that the world may believe that Jesus is God. Number The reason number two why Jesus prays for unity, because unity is on God's heart. Amen? That's just uh, obvious from that scripture. And then uh, the third point, I believe why Jesus prays for unity, or why Jesus prays for something because it's not given, it's not automatic. The fact that Jesus is praying for this means that there will be great opposition against unity. The enemy is going to come and he's going to try and bring in division. So unity, Jesus, if Jesus is praying for something, that means that it's going to be not so easy to get it. Amen? That's just, that's what my logica for me say. Anyone else? Do you agree with my logic? Yeah. So those three reasons. But let, So let's look at what happens when we don't, or how it looks like at times when we don't have unity. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 10 to 12. Um, the next one. There we go. I appeal to you, brothers... And whenever the scripture uses brothers, we can insert everyone. It doesn't mean just the men. I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all, he says that all of you agree that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each one of you says, I follow Paul, I follow Apollos, I follow Cephas, or I follow Christ. So that's, that's what it looks like when we, when we move away from Jesus in the church. Is it, one says, no, 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 I listen, I'm not listening to Christopher, I'm listening to Jan. And someone else says, no, 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 I'm not listening to Jan, I'm listening to Philip. And someone else says, no, 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 I'm not listening to Philip. I listen, I, I like better what Dave says. And someone says, no, 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 Dave, 
Dave doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm listening to Francois. No, no, no. I believe that this disunity and division comes when we all stop following Christ first. I'll, I'll, expla- I'll, I'll unpack this as we continue to go. But I want you to see another thing in the Scripture, that God's punishment towards sin is severe. And, and I think God's punishment towards the sin of someone bringing division is the most severe punishment. One of the most, se- let's look at Titus 3 verse Titus three verse 10. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Christopher, that's a bit hectic. You, you can go read it. You can go read in the scriptures. Th- this is just one scripture. It seems that God's judgment on sin in many sins is not as severe as God's judgment about someone who brings disunity into a church. And, and I ask myself, but why, why, why is this? Why is this? And here's, here's, what, I, here's what I sense in the Lord. If I commit... The sin of, uh, okay, let me backtrack. All sin affects all people. There's no sin that I do that just affects me and nobody else. I'm now a married man. I've got two children. By the way, my wife and my children send their love and their apologies. They are, our two children are, yeah, they are quite sick. And so that's why they're not here today. Um, Yeah, my wife does not like staying at home. Um, but yeah, this morning we we really had no choice. Um, yeah. So. So as a married man, if I sin, in any way, my sin affects other people. But. The if I if let's say if I lie, it's like yok. That sin affects other people, but primarily. That sin is destructive towards my own soul. It's not necessarily destroying the souls of other people. So it's 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 sin in that sense. Most sin, all sin, sexual immorality, whatever, um, all sin is primarily self-destructive. It does affect other people, but primarily it's self-destructive. But the sin of division is not primarily self-destructive. It primarily destroys the souls of other people because other people are being impacted and affected before or directly, actually, and not my own soul that much. Because I'm already, my soul is already, in a sense, destroyed. I'm now destroying other people and their salvation and their walk with the Lord. Does that make sense? Market sin? You never know. My stop is it not sin making. Samuel, yeah. So, so most sins is normally it's it's a sin against God, but myself. And then the sin of division is is I'm sinning against other people. Okay, so that's why I believe the sin of division. Someone who brings division 
is is that's why the punishment is so severe. Um, it's like Matthew 18 verse 6. Matthew 18 verse 6 says, Whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to sin, it would be better for him to have a great millstone fastened around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. So God does not like sin, general pinstop claw. But God is really ticked off when we, when, our, when we are deliberately causing other people to sin. That's like really, really bad. So that's, that's why this sin is so intense and so severe. But here's the thing. Division and this, or let me, let's, say, let's put it in the positive rather in the negative. Unity is important because... Unity reflects who God is. God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The perfect community that has been existing for all time and, and that will continue to exist. When the church is united, we reflect Christ, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So our unit, by our unity, we reflect to the world who God is. When we are not united, we do not reflect who God is. We break down the image of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Galatians 3 verse 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So there are three classes, Jew, and, it, uh, and I'm going to try and make it applicable in our terms because it's not necessarily so, s- s- there's neither Jew nor Greek. There is no, neither slave nor free. Be- we don't have in our context necessarily slavery anymore. Uh, there is no male and female for you're all one in Christ Jesus. Paul is writing to the Galatians, and he's, he's saying, before you are a Jew or a Greek, you are a Christian. In other words, my relationship with my brothers and my sisters in Christ is first determined on this foundation and this basis, that we are one in Christ I see Christ before I see whether you are a Jew or a Greek. I see you in Christ before you are a slave or a free person. I see you in I see Christ in you before I see male or female. In other words, my relationship based with other believers should be based on the fact that they belong to Jesus and are nothing else. So in our context, maybe, where we don't have slaves and free people, we have people who work for themselves and people who, who, who work for... I'm going to put an example now. Yes, work givers and work curers, yes. But... <laughs> But to give an example, can I Philip and Marie and Philip not Marie Berger there at the back just pop a wave works 
technically Philip is Murray's boss. Is that correct? <laughs> Philip say near, Murray say yeah. <laughs> so oh, just practically, I'm not going to uh, unpack this completely, but in what the scripture is saying is that, that yes, Philip and Murray have got a work relationship that has certain things to it, but, but, before they relate with each other as work giver and worker, they are one in Christ. Their relationship is not based on work, although work, you can't take it out of the picture, out of, because that would be not right, but what it is saying is that because of Christ Jesus, their unity is not found in the fact that they are working together or working for one another. Their unity is in Christ. Let's take another example. Um, Valen and Quibus are teachers at the same high school. So Valen and Quibus are not united because they teach at the same high school. So when Quibus sees Valen, he does not first see a teacher and when Valen sees Quibus he does not first see a teacher first what they should be seeing is a brother in Christ before they see I'm a fellow worker at Bonnyville High School male and female before I see your sex your identity I see you are a son or a daughter in Christ. My Another example that comes to my mind, Vesey and Elise, Darcel. Wonderful people, our, our wonderful neighbors, and, and we've got a really good relationship with them since we've moved into the next living next door to them. But I believe that our relationship with Vesey and Elise is deeper than just the relationship people have with a neighbor. Why? Because before I see Vesin Elise as my neighbor, I see them as children of God. Does that make sense? So the question is, and this is the key for unity, the people around me, do, do I look into where they come from, what language they speak, what race they have, their mannerisms, their hobbies. If I see those things before I see a child of God, we will never, ever achieve unity. Unity means that your class, your race, your background, your family, your, 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 like everything is thrown out the window. Unity is achieved when we see each other through Christ. When we see Christ in each other before we see hobbies, likes, dislikes, language. Does that make sense? Yeah, Nia? <laughs> Great. I'm a Christian. Christopher is a cr I'm a Christian before I'm Afrikaans, before I'm Koza, before I'm English, bef before I'm Zulu, before I'm a Jew, before I'm a Greek, before I'm a Gentile. I'm a Christian before I'm rich or I'm poor. My relationship with other people is not dependent on how wealthy they are. I don't look down on someone 
who's got less than me, and I don't look up to someone because they've got more than me, because the identity for you and for me and for him is Christ. So Christ unites us, not how much we have. If our relationship with each other in the church is based on personalities, types, hobbies, whether we like people, unity is impossible. Say with me, impossible. And I'm telling you, without God, unity is impossible. Without God, unity is impossible. Unity is the fruit of humility. Unity is the fruit of humility. I want to show you something in the scriptures. We've been speaking about God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But I don't know, I don't know if you've seen this or noticed this. But if you look in the Bible, what you will see is Jesus almost deflecting away, like glory away from himself. Jesus says, no, 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 I'm not that important. The Holy Spirit's important. Then if you get the Holy Spirit, he's not, no, 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 I'm not important. Jesus is important. And you could get to the Father, and the Father's like, no, 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 don't listen to me. Listen to Jesus. I'll show you. John 14, 26. But the Helper, this is now Jesus speaking in, in the top one. The Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Jesus is saying, no, 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 I'm not going to teach you everything you need to know. The Holy Spirit will, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. And then John 16, verse 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, were, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Look at, the, look at what the, so Jesus is like, no, 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 the Holy Spirit's important. But then the Holy Spirit is like, no, 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 I'm not going to say to you new things. I'm going to just tell you everything that Jesus said. It's like this, almost like this deflecting away from, from the self and glorifying the other. It's like, no, 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 I'm not the most important. The Holy Spirit's most, and the Holy Spirit's like, no, 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 I'm not the most important. Jesus is. And it's like, it's this continual, and that's unity. When, when there's a preference of the other ab- over the self. I'm going to show you one more example uh, in, in uh, I think it's John 15, verse nine, 5, verse 19. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of his own accord, but only what he sees the Father doing. Whatever the Father does, the Son does likewise. So Jesus is like, no, 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 I can't do anything by myself. I need the Father. And then the Father is like, as he was saying these things, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were afraid as they entered the cloud. A voice came out of the cloud saying, and this is the Father speaking, this is my Son, my chosen one. Listen to Him. Can you see this beautiful unity between the Trinity? It's like Jesus is like, no, 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 don't listen to me, the Father. And the Father's like, no, 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 the Holy Spirit. And it's like this, that's what unity looks like. The church is called to unity, not as something, unity as something that is not achievable. We are simply called to reflect who God is. And who God is, is this Trinity Union community, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
So that's why when we are united, we reflect God. And that is why God blesses unity, because God blesses whatever looks like himself. So when God sees a church united, what he sees is himself, and God blesses whatever looks like God. But we live in a world that promotes self, me, I, as the highest good. We are told to follow our hearts, to realize our dreams, to seek out that which makes me happy, regardless of the cost in relationships, regardless of how it makes other people feel. But the Christian message cannot be more opposite to the message of the world. The Christian message says, die to yourself. <laughs> if someone says to you, God wants you to be happy, you quote them, uh, it's in Matthew 16 where Jesus says, if you do not take up your cross, if you do not die to yourself, you cannot be my follower. <laughs> like, no, no, God, God, doesn't want me, God doesn't want you to be happy. He wants you to die to yourself. I'm telling you, the Christian message, it cannot be more opposite to the world's way of doing and thinking. And The Christian message says, count others as more significant. When I read the scripture, I was like, sure, Lord. I am the most significant person to me in the whole world. <laughs> and that's why the Christian message says, die to yourself. Look at Philippians 2 verse 2 to 3. Complete my joy being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Listen to this, verse 3. Do nothing from selfish ambition. Guys, I like that that's just my whole life right there. <laughs> selfish ambition. If I'm honest, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That's why the Christian message says, die to yourself, because that in yourself is absolutely impossible. Because to be honest, as a Christian, I struggle, struggle to count others as more significant than myself. I'm just being honest up front here. Anyone else? I'm asking myself, Christopher, what does it look like to have other people more significant. And, and I want to just throw a disclaimer in here. This counting others more significant than myself. Is not, it's not exclusive to my wife and my children and my friends. And No, no, no. This is, it's speaking in the context of a church. So it certainly, it includes my wife and my children. I need to count my wife and my children. But it also includes Squibus and Sunel. It also includes Jana Marietta. It also includes Jana and Marjorie. I need to count them as more significant than myself. This is not just speaking about my immediate family. And I'm asking myself, what does that look like? Who liked it om iemand anders word te ach as myself? How does that influence my time, my finances? The things I give my attention to. 
Maybe we can just pray for a moment. Just, just pray with me. Lord, come and show us what this looks like. What, what does it mean, Lord? Come and show us practically. Lord. Holy Spirit, we ask for your guidance. We do not know how. We do not know. We do not have the answers. But we ask you right now, Holy Spirit, please come and show us what it looks like. First of all, give, show us the heart. Lord, help us to die to ourselves. Because we, it's first, it needs to happen on a heart level. So, Lord, we, we, we surrender our hearts. Lord, we, we want to be truly Christian. We surrender our hearts. But secondly, Lord, practically, Lord, help us. Come and show us what does it mean to count someone else to be more significant than myself. Show us, Lord. Show us, Lord. Right now, Lord, each person, Lord, I, I pray that you'd pop thoughts into there, that you'd pop names, people, Lord, in this church, in this congregation, people in our community groups. Show us, Lord, what it, what it would mean practically to count others as more significant than ourselves. Amen. Amen. I'm almost, I'm almost coming to a, 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 a landing here. I've talked about unity is the fruit of humility. I've talked about the, the, the same foundation. I want to talk about one more point. It says that unity happens when, we, when, when a group of people pull in the same direction. So if... if um, if one of your cars is broken down, um, Marie has a very swore Land Rover that can't can break ever. I pick you up. So if that Land Rover breaks there in the parking lot and 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 or doesn't start, and we need to help start it, what 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 would need to happen is a bunch of us strong men, or maybe yeah, women are welcome to help, but we men will do it um, out of courtesy and out of decent manners. We will spare the woman the effort. So what would need to happen is we will all we, we all need to push the Land Rover into the same direction. And what will happen is if we all push in the same direction, and hopefully there's a, a, a downhill close by, but when we all push in the same direction, this thing will start to pick up momentum. It will go faster, and hopefully the thing can jump start. I don't know if a landy can jump start, but yeah. Uh, um but that's what normally would happen. Even my car, my car is quite heavy. But th that that's what needs to happen. It's it's in parenting. It's the same thing. It's it. And I'm not just talking. I'm not just talking about like. Mom says this, but dad says n something like bad. I'm talking about an example. Like let's say, I I sit down with Isla Rose and I tell Isla Rose, my three our three year old daughter, and I say, Isla Rose. For this next week, we as a family are going to focus into cleaning our room every single day. Like, like you, can, you can neglect every other area, but the one area this week that we are not, I, I won't probably say that, but, but the one area that, this, that is of supreme importance this week is the cleaning of your room. And and Lisa, she hears me say that. But five minutes later, she comes to Isla Rose and she says, Isla Rose, this week, I want you 
to focus on eating all your food. And what we've just done as parents is we've just confused us. We've actually nullified both both commands. And she's confused. Do I listen to dad? Dad said we focus on eating. Uh, dad said we focus on cleaning our room. Mom said we focus on uh, on eating all our food, even the veggies that we don't want to eat. Or the tomatoes that Isla Rae specifically doesn't want to eat. <laughs> um, both things are good things. So I'm not talking about mom saying, Isla Rose, you can, you can, you can like do whatever. Like in the context of the situation that I've just described, me and Lisa have given Isla Rose both good commandments to follow. But the thing is, now there's disunity between us as parents because we're not we're not agreeing on what is important for this week. And because we're not agreeing on what is important, the blessing is gone. And and, and the reality probably is, either Rose is probably not going to get either of them right because the blessing is gone. Does that make sense? Parenting 101. Thank me later. <laughs> Just joking. <laughs> Just joking. We, we're trying. Um, but, but you know what? That scenario happens in church all the time. I'm going to make it a little bit practical. And this is where I actually think, not now, sorry. I actually believe that the internet can be our friend, but the internet can also be very bad for local churches. Because let's, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that scenario and I'm going to sketch a different scenario. For example, let's say, I say for this week coming, today, from today until next Sunday, I believe the church needs to exercise hospitality. Hospitality means learn how to invite people over and fellowship around Jesus. Take communion together, eat together, laugh together, pray together, worship together. The focus of this week is hospitality. And now, now Jan, Jan, this is not true. I'm just using Jan as a as a as a, a scapegoat. Now Jan follows another guy on the internet, or and and it's not connected to what God is doing specifically in Bonneville. And this guy is calling South Africa or the world to fast and to pray for this week. And now Jan starts telling people to fast and to pray. And now what happens is people are getting confused because Christopher, as the elder said, now this week we are exercising hospitality. We are gonna we're gonna learn this week and we, we've we've looked at it from the scriptures. God is saying to us as the church in Bonneville, practice hospitality. But now this other guy, and it's not a bad thing. Praying and fasting is not bad. I'm not it's like two parents saying two good things to one child. Like fasting and praying is not bad, but now it's like Marjorie, who's not in Jan's co- community, but or who's not. Now Jan says to Marjorie, Marjorie, we need to fast and pray. And Marjorie's, but but Christopher said we must exercise hospitality. And now are we fasting and praying? Or what are we doing? And what happens is 
now there's division because everyone's not pulling in the same direction. And if there's not unity and if everyone is not pulling in the same direction, what happens? The blessing of God, gone. So, and that's why I, I'm very cautious of the internet. I think there's a lot of great things out there, but I think the internet has the potential to, to pull a Christian in a hundred different directions, to pull church. If every single one of us like listens to the internet, we'll all be listening to probably something. There's a lot of bad things, but hopefully we've got discernment to listen to good things. But if we all start applying to what we're listening on the internet, we're, all, we're, we're running like, like headless chickens this way, that way, and there's no cohesion, there's no unity, and where there's no unity, there's no commanded blessing. 1 Peter 5, verse 1 to 3 says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as a partaker in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. My job as an elder to a local congregation is to, to say to the sheep, sheep, we are going this way. We are going this way. We are going north or south or west or we're going up this mountain or we're going down to this river or we're going through this river or we're going to the beach or we're going on a boat, on whatever. And I should do that, not domineering, not going, Marjorie, that's not what the scripture says. But the scripture says, by my example in how I follow the Lord, I should gently encourage Marjorie and everyone else, sheep, we're going this way, we're going this way. Does that make sense? So I really, just to give you an example, and I want to make it practical because I think these things, it doesn't help. We just speak about them as if they're not practical things, you know, because they are practical things. So if someone sends me one of these things like this week, we are praying for this and that. I'm First and foremost, I'm asking myself, does, is this what God is saying here and now to me in this congregation where I am at right now? If not, I'm not sending it on. Because then I'm bringing, I might send it on to someone and, and I might, I don't want to be the cause of division. And again, I, I don't walk into Vesey and Elise's house and I tell Ruach, he's now a bit older, but let's say he's a bit younger. I don't tell Vesey and Elise how to, what they, how they should, because it's not, Ruach is not mine. He's not, I've got no influence. I've got influence, but I've got no Authority, that's the word. I've got no authority in, in, in their marriage, and I've got no authority over Ruach's life as Bessie and Elisa's son. Sorry, I can hear you last week. Again, other people, like, n like, not anyone can walk into my house and tell my children what to do. They don't have that authority, they don't, and they don't have authority and responsibility comes together. I'm always cautious of someone who waves authority listen to me 
but there's no responsibility. You see, when I say, if I as an elder say to the sheep, sheep, we're going this way, that means I'm going to stand before God for every sheep that follows me in this direction. And, I've got to, and I'm going to give an account to God, God, I've led your sheep this way. But if I, if I just send this thing out, and uh, I, I don't think it's bad. I just think it needs to come under the submission of, of every local church. and every Because it might be a good thing to pray, but maybe God is doing something different in every little local context. Does that make sense? So as, as a leader, I, I listen to these things and I'm trying to see, is this what God has for the church in Bonneville? If not, might be praying is good, but this week hospitality is better. Because God is saying to the church in Bonneville, hospitality. He might be saying to the church in London, pray and fast. He might be saying to the church in Johannesburg or to the church in Cape Town, pray and fast. But he might be just saying, church in Bonneville, invite people over, learn how to fellowship over a meal. And the thing is, if I walk and exercise authority, I am under authority. And I stand to give an account for how I lead. And hopefully, and this scripture says, elders. So I'm constantly, every week I'm on the phone. Last week I was on the phone uh, almost two hours asking for perspective and advice. Because at this moment in time, I'm only one elder. But we believe in elders, plural, meervoud, more than one. I believe in team. But at this moment in time, I don't have a team. So what do I do? Every week I'm on the phone. I say, hey, Mike. Russell, give me advice. G- give me perspective. This is the situations I'm battling through. This is, this is where I think God is leading the congregation, and I get perspective. And so, so even though you see one elder at this stage in time, because this church plant is only still five months old, I'm trusting that God will raise up elders, deacons. Sorry, I'm going on longer, but I'm hoping this is, this is more than just like a ma- yeah. That's why I actually said to the Lord, Lord, do you want me to teach this? Because this is not just a feel-good, like, this is actually, like, practical, everyday life in church. How does it look like? How does it work? Unity. Unity brings blessing. I'm going to end off um, Philippians 4, verse 2 to 3. I entreat Judea, and I entreat Sintiki. I don't know how to say that. Can someone, anyway, to agree in the Lord. Yes, I ask you also, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel. So what we have here is we have two women in the Philippian church, and Paul is writing to, um, I can't remember who he's writing. Who's in Philippians? When he says, I ask you, true companion, he's probably writing to someone. Anyway, in the beginning of the book of Philippians, you can probably probably see that. I want to quickly look to who is he writing. Um, Philippians, Philippians 1. It says, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi with the overseers and deacons. So he's writing to the saints, but overseers and deacons. So there's probably a, a name there that we could put there. That's a, that's a leader on the ground. So Paul, writing the letter, 
He is not in the church in Philip. He's probably at this stage, I can't remember, in Rome somewhere, maybe in a, in a jail. <laughs> and he's writing. He's writing from prison. I remember that, yeah. It's interesting. Philippians is the, the letter of joy, and he's writing from prison. Interesting. Um, I ask you, true companion. So he's saying that in some cases, unity needs intervention from leadership. He's saying these two women are great, and they, they, they're companions. They, they, they labor side by side with me for the gospel. They are, they are, these two women are born again. They're Christians. But, but I'm writing to the overseers in, Philipp, in Philippi, help these women to get along. Because if they don't get along, the blessing of God cannot be on this church. 